You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 394. We can't do good thinking in a highly focused way, eight hours a day, five days a week, and certainly not 50 or 60 hours or more a week. Are you working extremely long hours, maybe sacrificing your health and your important relationships all for the sake of your business? Well, if so, you're not alone. This is what we entrepreneurs are led to believe drives success, yet it's not sustainable. Hi there, I'm Jeff Brown, and this is the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I believe that if you want to achieve true success in business and in life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. More than anything, my job is about helping you understand which books you need to pay attention to. Each week, we're joined by the author of one of these books to chat about that book and their unique insights on things like personal and professional growth, leadership, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. It's entrepreneurship getting the focus today as we sit down in just a moment with Dr. Sabrina Starling. She's author of the new book, The Four-Week Vacation, The Entrepreneur's Ultimate Guide to Taking Your Life Back from Your Business. I'll be asking Dr. Starling why entrepreneurs are more likely to suffer from depression, ADHD, addiction, and bipolar disorders, help with how to fully unplug from your business, the feasibility of a 25-hour work week, and much more. You know, with a lot of this, whether it's being able to fully unplug or actually realizing a 25-hour work week, week after week, you've got to automate as much as you possibly can. And that can include things like your prescription medications, which you're probably spending more time thinking about than you need to. Seriously, wouldn't it be nice if your prescription meds arrived on time every month, neatly packaged on your doorstep? And wouldn't it be great if you were actually saving money? Well, our sponsor, Scripco, is the first online pharmacy that puts the power of wholesale medicine and home delivery into your hands. There's no need to let insurance companies decide how much you pay. At Scripco, they cut out the middleman and give the power to you. They shop around for the absolute lowest price anywhere on the medicine you need without the insurance price hike. Then they send the best deal to your door. With a Scriptco membership, you save big with access to wholesale prices on your generic medications. So to see how much you could be saving, check out their free savings calculator at Scriptco.com. That's S-C-R-I-P-T-C-O.com. And because you're a listener to this show, you can save even more. Get 25 bucks off your initial membership with the code READ25. That's R-E-A-D-2-5. Again, for more, visit Scriptco. That's S-C-R-I-P-T-C-O.com. Dr. Sabrina Starling is the business psychologist founder of Tap the Potential and the Better Business Life program. She's also co-host of the Profit by Design podcast, a podcast I had the pleasure of guesting on recently. Additionally, she is author of the How to Hire the Best series. Dr. Sabrina's new book is called The Four-Week Vacation. I like the sound of that. Uh, The Entrepreneur's Ultimate Guide to Taking Your Life Back from your business. Dr. Sabrina, welcome finally to the Read to Lead podcast. 
Thank you, Jeff. It's been a long time coming. I'm excited to be here with you and your audience. Well, I want to start off by asking you what exactly Dr. Sabrina qualifies you to speak into this topic and, and, and write about it in a book. That is a great question. So I have been an entrepreneur for 16 years. 16 years ago, I quit my job and I started my own business and I did it because I wanted to have better work-life balance and be present with my family as my first child was born. And those of you who are wise to the entrepreneurial journey are probably picking up already on a flaw in my thinking, starting a business having a baby, work-life balance, like that just doesn't work. And as a matter of fact, a few months after my first daughter was born, I remember rocking her to sleep in this dark room and there was some moonlight just shining in through the window. And I was reading by the moonlight and I was reading Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, and I'm rocking her to sleep and I'm sitting here reading The E-Myth and I am recognizing that like most of us entrepreneurs, I was already doing it all wrong. And I was just a few months into my business. And what I thought was that hard work would lead to success as an entrepreneur. And it doesn't. And that's grinding it out, that traditional story of entrepreneurship, that we need to work hard 70 plus hours a week, sacrifice our health, sacrifice time with loved ones, all for the sake of keeping the business going or getting it going. That's grinding it out and it, it grinds us up. And so ever since that day, when I read that in the E-Myth and just had that epiphany, I've been on this quest to write my relationship with my business and to figure out how to grow a business that didn't consume me. And I actually got to meet Michael Gerber a few years later and I was so excited and I got to ask him a question and he was going to sign my copy of the E-Myth. And I was trying to like, what question do I want to ask Michael Gerber? And when it was finally my turn, I asked him, I said, I'm a coach, I'm a business coach. And it bothers me that I coach entrepreneurs on growing their business, but I can't figure out how to turn my coaching business into a repeatable, scalable business. How have you done it, Michael? And he paused for a minute and he looked at me and he said, my dear, I own a coaching company and I have never coached a day in my life. <laughs> Jeff, I am not going to lie. That answer really ticked me off. I thought, <laughs> what kind of answer is that? Mm. He's not telling me anything. And yet, as I've reflected on it lots of times over the years, I've realized he was actually telling me everything. He was telling me that I needed to think differently about my role in the business and that if I continued doing what I was doing, I would never get a different result. And not only did I have to think differently, but I had to show up differently in the business. I had to change my very being. And ironically, it was probably, I don't know, five or six years after that, it was 2013, I was on a mini business retreat with several other entrepreneurs, Mike Michalowicz, Donna Lyons, Rodrigo Ladaga. And we were talking about our visions and what did we want to create in the next eight to 10 years in our businesses. And, you know, it got to be my turn. And I was like, I was like, what do I really want? Like if I could do anything, what would be the most uh, thing that I would be so excited about and so compelled that would pull me forward into the next 10 years. And I got my courage up and I said, I really want to write a book. 
I want to write the four-week vacation. It took so much courage to put it out there. And then Mike McCallowitz turned to me and he said, well, have you taken a four-week vacation? Mm. I was like, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) I have not, Mike, as a matter of fact. And that was his challenge to me. He said, Mm. you know, if you want to write this book and have credibility, you have to figure out how you're going to do it first in your own business. And I believe life has a way of giving us exactly what we need because I was pregnant while I was on that retreat. And I came back and a few months later, I decided, you know what, this is my second daughter. The first child I had, I was, my business was brand new. It consumed my life. This time around, this is going to be my last child. I really want to enjoy her. And I really want to be able to take a fully unplugged maternity leave. And I had, at that time, I had a business that consisted of myself and a virtual assistant. And I had four months until my child would be born. So I had four months to figure out how could I take an unplugged, paid maternity leave. Mm. And I did it. And not only did I do it, but I ended up being a nine-week paid maternity leave. While my business continued to run, our clients were served, sales were made, and money came in the door. And I was like holy cow, look what I did in four months time. And I'm not encouraging anyone else that you should take four months and figure out how you're going to be out of your business for nine weeks, Mm. because that was really stressful to do it that way. But I'm sharing that because I know if I did it with that little itty bitty baby business that my business was at that time, that others who have team and who have more resources are certainly capable of doing it too. And since then, we have guided multiple entrepreneurs in taking four-week vacations. Mm. So it's possible. There's some fairly alarming, I don't want to overstate it, uh, statistics early in the book uh, that Dr. Sabrina shares along the lines of entrepreneurs being more likely to suffer from depression and ADHD and addiction and bipolar disorders. Uh, Dr. Sabrina, what do you attribute much of that to? Grinding it out. And mm. the tra- uh, all of us buying into what we've been led to believe is the only way you can be as an entrepreneur. You have to work really hard and sacrifice mm. things. And, you know, the, the reality is, Jeff, small business owners are creating two-thirds of net new jobs, and they account for 44% of all U.S. economic activity. And we entrepreneurs are often referred to as the backbone of the country. Mm. Yet I ask, who has our backs Who's watching out for us as our businesses take over our lives? And as a matter of fact, I have been conducting a study of entrepreneurship with over 200 entrepreneurs, and this was carried out during the height of COVID. And, you know, you're asking, why is it that entrepreneurs have heightened rates for depression, bipolar disorder, addiction, ADHD, higher divorce rates, higher suicide rates? Well, when we ask these entrepreneurs about their experience, 84% of 200 entrepreneurs reported fluctuating mood based on how the business was doing. Mm. 81% find it hard to switch off and not think about the business. 61% say it feels as though it takes increasing effort to accomplish simple tasks. If you hear that, that's the beginning of burnout and and that's also what depression feels like. 62% start to doubt their ability to meet the demands placed on them. In the last three days, 
prior to responding to the survey, half of them, more than half, 52% reported neglecting basic needs such as sleep, healthy eating, or social interaction mm. due to work. And one third reported feeling discouraged about the future. Wow. So this is the experience of entrepreneurship and it's not sustainable. We have to do entrepreneurship in a more sustainable way. You talk about this concept of the stress cycle. When you sit down with a room full of entrepreneurs and talk about burnout, everybody's kind of nodding their heads, right? Talk about what it means, though, to fail to complete the stress cycle. What, are we, what happens then? Okay, so my kids started school this week, and it's been a crazy week. Mm. So, you know, like we're waking up, I'm waking up earlier than usual and we have a whole new schedule and I'm running my business in the middle of this. And so if you think about, and that's not just me, there's lots of parents across the country, entrepreneurs who are <laughs> having that same experience as school starts. So, and then you go into your, so you have the stressful morning rush and then you go into your day and then say that, you know, there's a, a difficult situation with a key team member. So you have to have a courageous conversation there. Um, maybe you're worried about cash flow and how you're going to meet payroll. So you have to dig into the finances and figure that out. And then you get all that handled. And then two o'clock, the phone rings and you have a client who is frustrated about something that's happened, just have they been treated in your business or something mm. that's gone on. And then your child's school calls and you have to rush over there and go do something. And then you have to stop work. And then maybe you're going to come back to it later in the evening. And so you work till 10 or 11 o'clock at night and then you fall into bed and you wake up the next day and you do it all over again. Mm. And so even though the individual situations may have been handled and resolved, the, our physiological reaction to that, we have not completed the stress cycle mm. for every single one of those physiological reactions. And so there's a book written by the Nagoski sisters, Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski, and they talk about this. Their book is called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And what they explain is that when we are chronically stressed, our brain and our body react as though we're in constant danger, that fight or flight reaction. And it spikes our cortisol and it puts us at risk for a number of life-threatening conditions. But what's going on is when the parasympathetic nervous system does not have a chance to return our body to rest, our brains actually start rewiring themselves into a state where our immune system is compromised mm. and we face life-threatening damage to our organs and tissues. Wow. So we have to be mindful of completing the stress cycle. You said those authors' names were Emily and Amelia? Emily and Amelia Nagoski. I'm going to go out on a limb and... and guess that their parents probably called each of them by the wrong name from time to time. They were up. <laughs> I would bet. <laughs> well, do you think uh, it, that some of us might actually be addicted to stress? I mean, does that come out of this sometimes for certain people or certain types of people? Absolutely. Stress, there's an adrenaline rush in running our businesses. And it's just like that high that we can get from a substance and we want more and more and actually there's a point where productive stress turns into destructive stress. And what's going on is that our hormones, adrenaline and noradrenaline are part of the stress response. And stress also releases dopamine, which mm. is a feel good chemical. And it's that right. dopamine that encourages repeat behaviors 
by activating the reward center in our brain. So as much as we will complain about, oh man, what a rough day and all these things that happened, there's a part of our body physiologically that's thinking, I want more of that. That feels good. You know, go, go, go. Mm. And it leads to addictive behaviors and substance abuse issues. You know, one of my favorite quotes from the book, it's it's, it's like seven or eight words that are so powerful. And that is this, busyness is not a badge of honor. Effectiveness is. And, and there's this, this uh, sort of work culture in the U.S., especially where busyness is a badge of honor, maybe less so in other, other cultures. But, but talk about, related to that, the way vacation is viewed in the U.S. versus most other countries. Yeah. So the typical vacation length for Americans is 15 days. And many of us skip it. Or we don't take any, or we just take a little bit of it. And according to the U.S. Travel Association, more than half of Americans leave vacation time on the table, Mm. totaling 768 million days in 2018. Wow. So what's going on is other countries like Brazil, Kuwait, Nigeria, Spain have mandated 30 days paid time off. And a lot of these countries also happen to be some of the happiest nations in the world, according Mm. to several studies. And so it's not just that we don't take vacation. Like we feel guilty about being unplugged. And a lot of times when we go on vacation, we feel like we need to check in. Mm. And a 2008 study found that 53% of Americans have never unplugged from their smartphones during vacation. And when we studied those 200 entrepreneurs and we asked them, what's the longest time they've been away from their business, fully unplugged, the most frequent response was zero days. And then when we asked, how, what's your average, how long have you been in business? The average length of time these entrepreneurs have been in business is five years. So imagine that five years in business, never being fully unplugged, zero Mm -hmm. days. And I, we, I do retreats. And so at our retreats, we give the no cell phone challenge and our entrepreneurs put their cell phones in a basket and we whisk the basket away to an undisclosed location just for the day. We give it back to them at the end of the evening. And you should see the withdrawal behaviors that go on. Some people say, can I have a toy cell phone to just hold on to? And they're, they're serious. They're not yeah. kidding. But one, one of our entrepreneurs who did that, he put his cell phone away And he did it for three days straight. And he told me at the end of those three days, he said, this is the first time since the cell phone was invented that I have been unplugged. Wow. We're going back to the, uh, like the late nineties for that, I think, or mid nineties or something like that. Maybe the late (laughs) eighties. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm thinking when I had my first cell phone. So I guess you're right. It, It goes back even further than that. Well, Sabrina asks the question in the book, what if we worked a 25 hour work week instead? Dr. Serena, I'm sure that you've had your share of people look at you as if you're nuts, that <laughs> oh, yeah. that would work. Uh, what does the research, though, suggest? Well, I'll talk about the research. But first, I want to say we we need to question everything, Jeff, because mm. there's so much that we do just because it's the way we've always done. Yes. It. The traditional eight hour workday comes it comes from the industrial era. And Henry Ford deciding it'd be a great idea if we worked five days a week for eight hours. Some guy just made this up. And 
great guy, you know, wonderful entrepreneur. He just made this up. And, and the rest of us now, here we are in 2021, we're still thinking that's the way we do things. Mm. And the reality is, is so much of what we do now is thinking-based and knowledge-based work. And we need to think about how do we optimize our work to get the most out of our brain and our mm. higher level thinking and our creativity. We can't do good thinking in a highly focused way, eight hours a day five days a week, and certainly not 50 or 60 hours or more a week. So research shows that when we're knowledge workers, we are impacted by the law of diminishing returns. Mm. So the longer we work, the less effective we become, the more likely we are to make mistakes and rework. And you may have noticed this for yourself. If you put in a really long day, by the end of the day, you're dragging and the mm. quality of your work suffers. And even when we have team members and we're telling them they're supposed to be there eight hours a day, they are not focused and fully productive six of those hours. Mm. Or they, you know, they're, they're on Facebook. They're doing other things. They get up. They walk around in a traditional office setting. You have smoke breaks and, you know, <laughs> those, those sorts of things. And it's because we just can't focus that long. So research is starting to show that about five hours a day is the maximum length where we can be really productive. And when we shorten our work days, we are actually more productive and more effective because it gives us that opportunity to unplug, go off and do something different, which makes us more effective and better at work the next day. Mm. And, and in fact, I'll just cite one of the studies. Um, it's a study of 3,500 women and 3,000 men conducted by the Melbourne Institute of Applied Economics. And they found that people who work less actually perform better and overall cognitive performance rose until participants hit the 25-hour mark. At mm. that point, fatigue and stress caused the test scores to start dropping. And, and their, the quality of their work impacted adversely at that point, right? Every, every hour worked after that, it goes down. Absolutely. And, and so one of the things that I used to keep secret is that I've grown my business since, you know, my daughter was born. So 16, 17 years ago, I worked 25 hours a week on average. And mm. I used to not speak about that because I thought other entrepreneurs would, you know, shame. have a real business. <laughs> they would shame me. For shame. And I've realized one, I've shared it with now with lots of people. And my, the first person that I shared this with, and I felt so shameful about it. She said, you know, not only do you have a real business, Dr. Serena, you have a real cool business. Because <laughs> you've grown it on 25 hours a week. Lots of people would like to know how to do that. And mm. it, it really is. I have no time to dink around on Facebook <laughs> or, right. or waste fritter time away. I have a, 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 a specified period of time. I got to stay focused. I got to get in there. I get it done. And then I turn off and mm. I go home and I enjoy my family. I'm just curious, uh, is that five hours consecutive for you or is there, is that broken up between morning and afternoon? I am most effective between nine and two. And after, you know, if you're talking to me at four o'clock, you're not getting the best of me. Mm. And, I, you know, I tell clients when they ask for a later day appointment, you know, really, <laughs> you're not going to get the best of me. I'm happy mm. to meet with you at four o'clock if that's what you need. So it's not rigid. It's fluid and flexible. But generally, you know, and I'll take a lunch break in there. But generally, you know, nine to two is about what I try to do. Mm. Dr. Sabrina, some of the people you highlight in the book failed 
miserably when they tried taking their first four-week vacation. And I was actually surprised to read that at first. It's like, wow, she's including this. But, but what did they learn from some of those experiences? That's what I want folks to understand. Yeah. So, so first off, I think what I need to clarify about the four-week vacation, the whole intent of the four-week vacation is for entrepreneurs to build a sustainable business that can run without them. And like with COVID, we've seen how important that is. Things can happen to us at the drop of a hat, but it's not just that we need a business that can run without us. We need a business that supports our life, that doesn't Mm. just eat, eat us up. And so, the, the purpose of the four-week vacation is to get your business running through a full business cycle, generating leads, leads come in, leads are converted to sales, services delivered, money is collected, the cycle. So that's about a four-week cycle typically. Mm. So that's why we aim for a four weeks that you can be fully away, fully unplugged. And so when I issued the four-week vacation challenge several years ago for the first time at a retreat, we had entrepreneurs who took the pledge like, yes, I'm working on making my business where I can be off for four weeks in the next 12 to 18 months. And they set their date and then they start taking vacation tests. And that means, you know, looking at what's the longest time you've been able to be away from your business fully unplugged. Let's stretch that. So if it's, mm. you know, a weekend that you can fully unplug, let's try the weekend plus two days and look at what needs to happen in the business. What are all the things you're scrambling to do before you leave and what's piled up when you got back, what not got neglected and ignored. And then look at the systems and the team that you need to put in place to handle those things and then take your next vacation test, maybe go for a week and see how things go with those new systems and team members in place and then keep building towards the four-week vacation. Okay. Life is real and things happen. So as you know, as I went out on my first four-week vacation, I was one of those entrepreneurs who failed miserably because (laughs) I was still running all the marketing in the business. And I thought, I'll just get it all set up before we go. But it took me a week into my vacation to get all that marketing set up. And Mm. So it gave me that aha moment of, oh, you really need to hire somebody to help you with your marketing. You can't be doing this all by yourself. And that was in my head, but it was something that I was going to do a year or two from now. I wasn't in my head. I was telling myself I wasn't quite ready. Doing that vacation showed me this real gap. You know, Mm. others, you know, Mike McCallowitz shares in the book that he checked in by email with his team somewhere during his four-week vacation. And he did it because he was just like this need that we all have, like all of a sudden our businesses don't need us. What the heck? You know, (laughs) this doesn't feel good. It's really uncomfortable. And when he came back, his team gave him feedback. You've got to let us do this. We want to show you that you can do it. And when you checked that email, you inserted yourself and you disrupted the flow of what we were were doing. Mm. And so the reason I share these failures is because I want entrepreneurs to fall, fail, and get back up and do it again and learn from it because it makes your business stronger. So yes, you know, you went out there, you tried to be off for a week and your team called you in crisis on day three. Well, let's look at that. What happened? What needs to be put in place so that the next time you can go up, you can go out and that won't happen again. Every single time you do that, your business gets stronger. So this is not about being perfect and taking a four-week vacation. It is about creating that opportunity that your business gets stronger and stronger and you have more and more opportunity 
to be unplugged and step away when you choose to do so. Mm. And what do you mean when you prescribe veggies first? (laughs) (laughs) So veggies first for me means extreme self-care. And it Mm. means that we look every single day at what do I need to be at my best today? And then what does my business need to be at its best today? So what I need to be at my best today is eight hours of sleep, exercise, eating well, and putting priority on that. And then as I go into work, I look at what's in front of me that day or that week, and I think about what can I do today that's going to have the greatest impact going forward. So not just what do I need to do to to meet a deadline today and keep the business running for today, but what is in front of me that is going to move the business forward? And I've I've really gotten my team to think in this way too, because I want them taking care of themselves. And then when they start their day, I want them thinking about what is it on my plate today that I can do that's Mm. going to have the greatest impact on tap the potential. Well, I've got a couple of questions, as I do with each guest that are not directly related to the book. But before I get to those, uh, what else about the book uh, would you like to make sure that we know? Well, I think that one of the things to know is that the second half of the book is really the step-by-step guide to building a team and putting systems in place in your business. I walk you through how to delegate, how to get your team making decisions that might be Mm. better than decisions you make. And so, you know, for those of you who are listening and thinking, I would love to do this, but I have no idea how. The second half of the book is the how. And I want to share with your listeners that before I had the book out, I was always looking for how do I share this information Mm. with, with entrepreneurs in the most helpful way. And one of the most popular trainings that I've ever created that people continue to talk about and use is the training, how to make your time worth $10,000 an hour. Mm. And that's included in the four week vacation book. But if you want to get your hands on it and also the chart of $10,000 an hour activities as a download that you can print out and look. So when you're starting your days with veggies first and you're asking, what can I do in this business that's going to have the greatest impact? Well, I'm going to give you the chart of the $10,000 an hour activities Mm. so that you don't get bogged down and get into the weeds of the business, because that's really the number one thing that keeps business owners from being able to get their business to where it can run without them is getting into the weeds. So you can get my training on that and the chart of $10,000 an hour activities at tapthepotential.com forward slash 10K. All right. Tapthepotential.com forward slash 10K. Well, I'm going to combine my next two questions into one, if that's okay. I want to know a bit about your history with reading. If a habit of consistent and intentional reading has played a role in your success, would you say? And if so, maybe recommend a book or two that have made a lasting impression on you. Maybe that you go back to again and again. You mentioned E-Myth. I I imagine that's one of them, but but what else? Yeah. Well, so I, I will tell you that I have been an avid reader since I was a kid. As soon as I could read on my own, I was consuming books and I have vivid memories of going to my school library and being drawn to the biography and autobiography section. I love to read about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and Martha Washington, all these early, the founders and and leaders in their lives. And then in high school, I started getting interested in psychology And I remember spending one summer reading Sigmund Freud's work, like 
was kind of geeky. Um, <laughs> but, and I love novels. And what I have come to, I've finally put this together for myself and come to understand what I believe has happened is that I've always been told I have very high emotional intelligence that I really, even for my age as a younger woman, people said, you, you have wisdom beyond your years about mm. people and how they function. And I had no explanation for how that came to be, but I really attribute it to reading. And when we wow. read novels, when we read biographies, we are learning about how people interact, what's effective, what's not effective, leadership styles. And, and so I I'm a, I just cannot advocate enough that we all need to be reading. I'm trying so hard in my home to get my two daughters to be avid readers mm. and I'm succeeding with one. The other one, you know, she's just, she's 15. She's just pushing back on everything. So I'm hoping. <laughs> so, but in, in terms of a, a, a book that I haven't gone back and reread it, but it's, it shifted my thinking and it's the book, the Poisonwood Bible. And when I, I read that years ago, and I don't remember the whole storyline, but I took one huge takeaway from it, and that is we are not entitled to a good life. Mm. We may act, we may like to believe that everything is supposed to be great and good, <laughs> but we are not entitled to a good life. And that has really affected how I have dealt with stressors and you know the different curveballs that life has thrown my way. Well, uh, finally, what's ahead for you and your team that you're excited about and able to share beyond, you know, promoting the heck out of the book? Uh, what are you looking forward to? <laughs> so I just want to say we are going to make the four week vacation a bestseller. So please, all of your listeners go to <laughs> fourweekvacation.com, pre-order your book, help us make it a bestseller. That's one of the <laughs> things we are looking forward to. But ultimately, we have a goal by December 31st, 2026, we want to have 150 clients who have taken a fully unplugged four-week vacation. Mm. And as wonderful as that is, it's part of a bigger vision that we have. And I want to disrupt the traditional story of entrepreneurship. And I want entrepreneurs to be asking one another at networking events instead of What's your revenue? How many employees do you have? I want them to be asking, well, have you taken a four-week vacation? I want that challenge that Mike Michalowicz threw at me. Well, mm. have you done this, Dr. Sabrina? I want the four-week vacation to be a recognized symbol of entrepreneurial success. And I want entrepreneurs everywhere to know work supports life, not the other way around. Uh, yeah, we're around. Well said. I'm loving this topic. Uh, thank you for uh, sharing it with us. Uh, we've been talking to Dr. Sabrina Starling. And again, her book is The Four-Week Vacation, The Entrepreneur's Ultimate Guide to Taking Your Life Back from Your Business. Uh, Dr. Sabrina, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom and your experiences with us today. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate the opportunity. For that special 10K resource Dr. Starling mentioned, her book's website and other resources and links we talked about, and those books she recommended during this conversation, visit the show notes page for this episode at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 394 for episode 394. And by the way, if you happen to be looking for in-person or virtual personal and professional development training or help with launching a department or company-wide book club, I'm your guy. Reach out to me at contact at readtoleadbook.com to find out more about what's available. That's contact at readtoleadbook.com for in-person and virtual personal and professional development training and book clubs. 
There are five Tuesdays in November, and that means I'll be bringing you five conversations with some of today's brightest authors. We'll hear from Robert Siegel, Julie Broad, Joe Sanek, Meredith Bell, and Honoré Corder. They're all coming up in November right here on the Read to Lead podcast. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.